Cheers. Cheers. I'm Kana. I'm Ambi. And welcome to the Diplomacy Game Podcast. Yes, a podcast about the game Diplomacy. And for this podcast, Ambi's going to be on his very best behaviour, at least for the first half of it, um, for a special PG rated version, um, at least until after the interview. Yeah, that's right. Then we, then we kind of go after dark. Which will probably be about after dark when we get to it. Maybe. Maybe. Let's see how we go. Let's see how we go. We're at the um, Ex Cargo. Um, like a, what do you call it? Beer garden. Yeah, it's really. like a big, massive. Oh, like a yeah, beer garden? Bar garden? In Fortitude Valley? I get the distinct feeling that we're definitely here on, a, on the off hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this place I reckon would get absolutely pumping. Lots of. Lots of um, 20-somethings, I reckon, would be here on a Friday, Saturday night. Well, they've definitely got the economy of scale for it. Oh, yeah. It's like a big... I don't know, what would you call it? I guess it was a... I have to take a photograph and put it up on the, the website, huh? So it's, a, it's a retrofitted kind of yard, essentially. Um, <laughs> it's probably... Surrounded by, what, two-storey buildings? Um, and they've fitted it up with... Um, Essentially, cargo, shipping containers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they've changed them into different, you know, arrangements and funky umbrellas. A little bit of greenery. So nice. like steps up onto the top of them and all sorts of. Things. Oh yeah. Oh. So yeah, it's definitely got capacity for a lot more people than they're here right there. No, that's right. But at least they're open. And found a new venue that we haven't been to before. That's actually open when we need to record. I'm drinking 150 lashes. Good old 150. Good old 150. I'm on a Sisters Run Shiraz, which isn't too bad. Had this before on a holiday once. Okay. It's um, it's a good solid two supply centre opening. Okay, so nothing to sneeze at. No, no, nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. Nothing, nothing that you'd be, you know, embarrassed about later on. Like if you went to a tournament and you got that as an opening, and then you know the DBN were doing their roundup. You know that they're not going to slam you for your opening, yeah. as opposed to one time where I have been slammed on my opening <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the by like, yeah, yeah, by everyone. It's like, what is that guy doing? Why is he opening to Silesia in Prussia? What is wrong with him? <laughs> well, mine's an oldie and a goodie. Uh, I guess it's the, um, you know, it's a Black Sea bounce. You're going to grab Constantinople's too. Bulgaria, maybe. <laughs> Go to grab Bulgaria from Constantinople. Yeah, okay. So, you know, I had a drink on the way here. So oh, did you? I did. Oh, okay. It was okay. That's good. So, already, yeah, I'm a bit... Yeah. A little bit on the tips and stuff. A little bit happy. Already. Yes, that's good. That's very good. So, um, yeah, so as, uh, as Kane mentioned, we are being a little bit, a little bit well-behaved, uh, PG-related for the moment, and that's got a lot to do with the fact that our, um, our interview today is something we haven't done before. Um, yeah, so uh, what's the story behind this one? How did we come across this? Oh, so I came across Osbert's details and I thought this is a very interesting um, aspect of diplomacy that we don't really talk about. You know, so we talk about, we talk about it in the, in the context of getting you know, more people involved in the game mm-hmm. and also ideally 
a younger cohort, so it's not just old grizzled people like yep. you and I and, and many others. We were interest, introduced to the game decades and decades ago. That's right. So the idea is to get some new blood into the game. And what better way of getting new blood into the game than a young person's perspective on the game diplomacy? So, um, so I was quiet in this interview because I had, um, you know, I was sinus infection at the time. Yeah. Um, so you led all the questions. But should we just jump straight into it? Sounds like a great idea. Uh, Osbert, welcome to the Diplomacy Games podcast. Great to have you here. Thank you for having me. So um, I wanted to reach out with, to you more from the point of view that basically the game of diplomacy tends to have uh, a lot of people involved who were uh, as old and grizzled as Kaner and myself, uh, some of us even older than that, uh, as well as a lot of, of players who are more at the university or college level. Uh, but you're obviously within high school, which is, you know, a, a totally different environment uh, to what we're really, really used to. Um, what I really want to get an idea of is, is how does a young person get introduced to the game diplomacy? Where did you, how did you find out about the game? And tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, it must have been in 2016 when, uh, for my birthday, uh, I got the, the board game of Risk and um, alongside it also Diplomacy. So these two games uh, I got, um, I had only really wanted to get Risk. I had looked at the game, it looked really fun. Um, but diplomacy came with it too, and um, I, I thought that um, yeah, it looked interesting um, on a map of Europe. I thought that would be something cool. The seven powers made it um, something quite hard to play at first because I usually couldn't gather seven people to play with me then. Um, but yeah, uh, I I played both these games and. Um, I at first I didn't really have much success with um, playing or um, working with diplomacy there because, well, I think at the start I was playing some of the rules wrong as well. Um, so I was playing this kind of convoluted game of diplomacy with only four players or so, maybe more, maybe less, but it wasn't ideal at the start. Um, and then maybe a year later, um, I went on to online diplomacy for a bit on one of these websites. I can't remember exactly which, but that probably only lasted for a few weeks. Um, and then, yeah, um, a few years later, I got back into it. Um, I think from one of these websites, I've rediscovered it again. Um, and then I signed up for uh, Backstabber and uh, I started playing a few games and then uh, in the VDL, um, I started to play a few games there as well. And yeah, I've been really enjoying it. So what about the game do you enjoy? What what, what gives you that um, gratification when you're playing? Well, I think what makes it really unique, and for me, what keeps me drawn to it, is that, um, I mean, it's infinitely replayable because of the... There are six different players to interact with in each game. So for me, it's about the social element of it. I, I'm not 
well, I enjoy, I mean, I'm a huge enthusiast for maps and stuff. So I really enjoy the element that the geographical element and the historical element, I suppose. But I don't think it's, whilst that's kind of its thematic element, um, I don't think that's what I'm particularly drawn to more so. Um, I mean, that's what got me into it. But I think at the end of the day, I'm more interested now in the social interaction perspective of it. So when you, from that social interaction perspective, to kind of go from like initially playing with four people and then getting up to, say, um, seven, obviously within the online environment, if you signed up for that, that's it makes it a little bit easier. Um, you obviously were involved in uh, within the online environment. Um, I can't remember. You didn't say you, you said you signed up for Backstabber, but you had some of the other platforms. Yeah, you were using I can't before. remember exactly which. I got new accounts for those ones. No, that's so. cool. that's cool. <laughs> and I guess in doing that, um, the thing is that there's this old, very old. Um, saying you know on the internet you know you, you don't know who anybody is you know they could be a dog um so mm-hmm. th- there's probably an assumption when someone's playing against you that uh particularly unless we're you know conversing um if you're typing and so forth people are probably assuming that you're probably some old grizzled 40 year old as well um What's been your perspective on that? The fact that people haven't necessarily been aware that you're a younger person um, and and how has that dynamic worked? Yeah, so I do realise I'm probably not the usual demographic of a diplomacy player. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel like I can tell kind of um, sometimes by... Uh, the way people write or write their press on these websites, um, sometimes uh, like what age they are. But I think that I've been able to hold my weight in terms of being a young player. I don't think that I I, I realize that I uh, the people I'm playing with are definitely different ages to me. Um, but I I I still play aggressively I, I I I haven't really changed my playstyle much depending on the age of the people I play with and I think I've been able to um, yeah hold my weight in terms of that that makes the yeah that, that that's cool that makes a lot of sense um you, you mean you, as a young person, and this this is just an observation. You you articulate yourself very very well. You you, you the way you, you you choose certain words and the way that you position that is, dare I say, um, you know, a little bit more advanced in in your. You can kind of see your thinking style and the way that you actually then communicate that as think is um a little bit uh, at a higher level. Let me just put it that way than I would generally expect for a younger person. Um, have you found that the game has helped with that or am I making a, a misassumption here? You're just naturally like that. Uh, well, I feel like uh, the game has definitely helped with that. Um, when I, well, after maybe a long virtual face-to-face game, I always look at things in the perspective of my relationships with others and how to 
you know, skillfully articulate, as you were, as you were saying. Um, but I think that's also what has drawn me to diplomacy in the first place, that I'm, I'm largely able to uh, articulate myself uh, in the right way. I think that's a real skill that I hope I've been able to use and that I'm improving by playing the game. So, yeah. What other, what other skills have you got from the game? Do you feel? Uh, well, yeah. When when I picked it back up um, a few months ago, um, I definitely didn't know a lot of the things about the game that I did now. I and now I I can understand what pe- how people, for example, if someone's um, more sure or less sure about something, I can. I think it's really improved that I've been able to realise that um, what people need or what they what they what they want out of me or things like that. So I think in terms of a relationship level, I've been able to improve how I can work with that. And it's it's I think it's a really useful and almost educational tool, this game, on how to make relationships and how to um, and of course, the tactical ele- element is. I mean, I hope that's improved my thinking. Maybe I don't know. It's the type of thing that, as you um, as you play more and more di- diplomacy, um, the way that you approach the game, I've found and I've seen with other players, and, and even just from the way when we've done interviews with other players, it tends to evolve over time. You know what I mean? I, I like yeah, it how definitely. at the start where you were saying that, you know, you, you can be quite an aggressive player and I think that's quite uh, not an unusual trait, I guess, for someone who's started to play the game. Yeah. But, but even some of the things you've been talking about with, you know, being able to communicate and work with people, that's showing even now just an evolution, I suppose, in, in your gameplay. Um, Definitely. Have you have you then a kind of been able to use any of those skills that you've been you know developing in the game in a in a in a real world environment like you know in in the schoolyard so to speak? Oh yeah, well in a wide way I suppose I can't think of a particular example, but uh, I suppose it might have done something. I think as I play more. Um, I'll be able to apply the skills that uh, I can learn from diplomacy into the real world, which is, I think it's something really exciting that I can, I can play a game I really enjoy and then also hopefully be um, gaining the skills that I can use in the real world. So what are, what are the best bits for you for diplomacy? What makes, what makes an ideal game for you? So I would really like uh, a really dynamic game. I I think that a really important thing is, well, obviously the game comes down to just the alliances, um, but I'd want to play a game with people who are very committed to an alliance, but also willing to shift alliances and can base their alliances off the board around them and I think an ideal game would be one where there's unpredictable moves that happen, but equally also some 
I mean, it's hard to hard to describe, I suppose, but one that always keeps you on your toes would be an ideal game, I'd say. No, that's cool. Do you find um, do you get more of that within some of the virtual games compared to just like a normal web interface, or it's a bit of the same depending on what you're doing? Is it? Uh, yeah, I definitely. Yeah, I definitely think that virtual face-to-face games give you more of that real diplomacy element that I'm. I always find myself. Um, brought back to because I really enjoy that uh, element and I think yeah in virtual face to face you have more of that dynamic because that uh, there's more factors to base your alliances off when you're speaking to someone their tone or uh, who else they're talking to uh, it's more clear in virtual face to face so yeah in that respect I'd say virtual face to face is really an excellent way to get that ideal atmosphere but i've also found it in um in other press games extended deadline games um do you play any gunboat or anything like that where you don't necessarily have to worry about communicating um yeah so i've recently been realizing that my tactics may not be of the highest quality just yet so i have been practicing a bit gunboat games across the virtual community um and i found they've really helped as well as um well these 1v1 virtual uh sorry um variant diplomacy games uh, which i think have really helped as well as the gunboat um and yeah i think gunboat is an interesting way to play it's not my preferred way, but I do think it has been helping with practicing my tactics and working with that. Um, but I haven't, uh, I have enjoyed them, yeah. But I don't think it's truly the original game diplomacy that I really love. So, so talking tactics, um, obviously. Your primary primary focus at the moment should theoretically always be your your your, your school studies, um, but there's like so many different, um, I suppose, existing um, media channels. Let's just call it that way. Whether you're talking about blogs or YouTube videos and 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 lots of you know like newsletters that go into great details talking around the way, um, you know, really good players approach the game. Uh, both at a strategic level and also at a tactical level, uh, do you do you kind of um, you know read any of that, watch any of that, consume any of that at all? Yeah, absolutely. I've been trying to get as much of that as I can. On um, yeah, I've been reading stuff, I've been watching stuff, and I think that that has more than anything helped with my uh, tactical knowledge and overall knowledge of the game. Any and, favorites at all? Um, I can't say I have a favourite, um, no, but I, I've enjoyed some of these uh, series, these longer games covered by the DBN, um, and uh, I think I've been showing some of my friends the uh, How to Play Countries by Legendary Tactics, I think, and I've been reading the Brotherboard blogs. I think 
they're, they're all really amazing um, resources to have. And of course, this podcast is uh, an interesting one. Uh, and I think I I think it I think it is a different. Uh, where I I would really enjoy more of these types of uh, podcasts because I think diplomacy is such a social game. Yeah, as I've said before, and I think this podcast really um, shows that. Um, yes. Yeah, so so uh, obviously. Uh, we do do some things that probably you shouldn't be doing under you know 18 such as you know drinking and swearing is mm. swearing as often as I do so uh, uh, we probably should actually have like an explicit rating on some of our podcasts but <laughs> um, but it, it's really good that you kind of talked about some of those those uh, other content creators whether it's the DB end and and uh, legendary tactics and brother board uh, Brotherboard, I'm sure you probably know, has his Diplomacy Dojo as well, which is another podcast yeah. that comes out quite regularly. And I think that's a, a fantastic yeah. resource for people yeah. who are learning uh, different skill sets, whether it's uh, – sometimes it's very tactical, sometimes it's really about the strategy. So it's 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 great and um, totally agree as well about Legendary Tactics and some of um, his um, country-based um, videos around how to play them. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's really yeah. good. Yeah, you did touch on you know talking to your friends around this. Have you been able to kind of get any of your friends to to play the game? Well, um, I have had limited success with it. I've got um, a total of one face to face game been played for um, seven players, which was really enjoyable. Um, and yeah, I think. My yeah, my ideal game would be with all my all my friends. I think it would be. Uh, I'm really interested to see how these dynamics play out because, of course, these players aren't particularly. They see diplomacy as just another board game, maybe, or something like that. They aren't particularly involved in the community, so we've been able to develop our own thinkings about the game, which is. Which is quite an example. Do, do, do they do they play other? When I've played with sorry, them you know. or talked about, uh, yeah, when I've talked talked with them about it and played with them, we've developed quite a an, an anti-German thinking. Like, is that because I mean, you're British though? Uh, no, not entirely. It's just the, the the games we played or when we've been talking about it. Germany has had no success it's been crushed instantly uh, when we've when we played it and so as a result of that um everyone involved really dislikes germany as a country to play whereas i really enjoy germany it's one of my favorite countries to play uh, so yeah it's quite interesting to see how the i guess the meta is different with a different community or player base Um, so what was, so, so within your, 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 obviously for seven players, you got six other people, uh, other, other friends who managed to get involved in the game. How did they respond to the game? Was, were some of them kind of really into it and others like, you know, Osbert, what if, what have you done to us? This is, <laughs> I just don't get it. What was, what was, what was their feedback on the game? Yeah. So I think it, I was, 
honestly quite surprised about some of their reactions because it wasn't exactly what I expected. One of my friends who I would have certainly thought that they would have really enjoyed this game, they ended up finding the face-to-face experience really bogging down when they were eliminated first. Uh, and they from then, they couldn't really see the joy in the game, which is a bit of a shame. But other players, which I wouldn't have expected to like it as much, uh, have really enjoyed it. And I think, well, they maybe haven't got so involved in any virtual scene or anything like that, they would be really happy to play another face-to-face games with some some of us. Um, so, yeah, I think a mixed reaction, but I think largely a better reaction than I could have hoped for. How did they How did they go when one of them, when someone eventually got stabbed? Were they able to kind of separate the game from reality that it wasn't necessarily personal? Uh, yeah, I think m- mostly that was the case. There were two quite close friends who ended up stabbing one another at the same time, which kind of severed a relationship momentarily, but I think it, it's, it's all good now. And um, I think they all respect that it's just a game. Um for sure. That's awesome. Um, any any plans to have another game sometime soon, or you you, you keep trying? Or well, I hope so. I uh, no definite dates or anything like that, but um, I hope to play soon again or organise a game with them. No, that's cool. Um, Okay, that's that's it's been really really interesting. So, um, actually, I just want to probably ask Kano. Do you have any questions? Because I know you've got a bit of a sinus issue, so you've been sitting up there in the bleachers, letting me ask all the questions. But is there anything you wanted to jump in at all, Kano? Um, no, I, I think it's very, very well articulated, Osbert. Um, I can see you, you know, moving on to, you know, getting into the. You know, the debating club and using some of those skills that you're well and truly learning um, through the game of diplomacy. Yeah, I think that's, that diplomacy might help with things like that, sure. Have oh, you, absolutely. Have you been uh, following our podcast uh, campaign to uh, make diplomacy and Olympic support sport in 2032? Uh, well, I haven't heard of that, but that should definitely be applied. Um, at least there needs to be a separate board game Olympics or just a diplomacy Olympics in association with the committee, the Olympic oh. committee. Yes, because yeah. I'm definitely thinking that, like, if you continue on your trajectory now, you, you'll definitely be representing the British team um, okay. when the Olympics roll around in 2032 in, in our home uh, home city of Brisbane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, look, it's it's been a really good conversation, Oz. But there's probably not much more I've I've got to ask. Uh, and I think Kane has said he hasn't got much more. Um, we did talk before recording around just getting a perspective from from one of your parents. Um, are you happy to kind of um, finish up the interview now, and we'll um, bring them on the line? Uh, yeah, I'll I'll try and get one of them. Cool. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Osbert's mum, welcome to the Diplomacy Games podcast. Great to have you on. Thanks for having me. 
having me. Um, really kind of interested as as a parent. I mean, one th- I'm a parent. Uh, I have two teenage children. Uh, I'm very very conscious of um, the nature of the online environment. It's uh, different to when we grew up, so to speak, uh, where you know everything was just based on your your physical interaction with people. Um, there's obviously um, when Osbert's playing online, uh, he's he's playing predominantly with with uh, people who are who are adults. Um, what's been your perspective on ensuring that you've maintained, from a parent's point of view, a, a safe space? Let's call it that way for for his gameplay. Yeah, I mean. In a way, my attitude towards it is an extension of my general attitude to online safety, which has been that I did go through a phase of informing myself, like all parents, going to the talks the schools give and that kind of thing and and doing uh, my own research about online safety. But then I kind of came to the conclusion that things were moving so fast um, that the only real guarantee of online safety is really talking to your children about what the risks are and making them very very aware but also just have having a very sensible uh attitude themselves so sort of programming the child not the computer if you know what i mean so this is an extension in the same sense that i i sort of have confidence in osbert's um uh good sense and his ability to notice when somebody is trying to talk to him maybe about something that is more personal that he would deflect away from that we've talked an awful lot about that and in the first couple of games he played I did um, ask him afterwards to to just to check that nobody had asked him any personal questions he, he does play in his room rather than in a public area just because the the games go on so long and we live in a small flat it's simply not possible to have it going on in the middle of our um of our house but i would make sure i'd sort of walk past an eavesdrop periodically several times and every time i did i would all i would hear was the talk about sort of munich or what we were doing (laughs) in the Baltic, and i just was like okay this is okay this is all right so i just yeah, um, I, my main effort was just to not get the giggles and just to go away and, and leave him to it. Um, and I still do do that. In fact, every time he plays, just to just to make sure. But I, I, I the the basic safeguard is that I trust him and I trust his understanding of where the line is and and his sort of consciousness of not crossing it. And if I didn't have a child who I felt that confidence with, I wouldn't allow it to happen, I think. No, that's a good call. Um, look, many kids would probably be inclined to, you know, a first-person shooter or something like that. What was what was your your take when he said, oh, look, I'm, I'm really keen on this game diplomacy, and when you started looking at it going, okay, this is not what I – was it something you, you didn't expect or, or it was very much in tune with the, his nature? Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's never been uh, a violent kid, so he's never been that attracted to the games that are, um, uh, you know, um, the online gaming that involves killing and so on. And I, you know, he was, at one point he was uh, into chess a bit, but then he went to a school which um, happened to have some kind of, you know, uh, top chess champions in it, and very quickly... Uh, the sort of love of chess is 
sort of just faded when it was just sort of no go. And I was really happy that something else strategic, you know, interested him. Um, he's also just very interested in geography. So I think there was that initial attraction to it. I mean, you know, his his room is full of maps of the world and he's always he's always been interested in that side of things. So that the combination of sort of strategy and picking up that previous interest, it did seem just like a very natural development. No, that's cool. Um, as, as a person who, when I was his age, was very much into maps, I can see where he was coming from. Um, and, and, I, and I had the, um, the mis, oh, sorry, not misfortune, totally wrong word, um, the good luck to, to live and work in the UK for about two and a half years, oh, about 15 years ago now. And um, now, now in hindsight, I kind of look at a diplomacy board and look at where all the supply centres are, like Munich and things, and going, well, I've been there, I've been there, I've been there. So it's, it's, um, it's an interesting experience. Um, Osbert's mum, thank you very much for your time. Um, it's, it's been great talking to you and talking to your son. Um, and, um, yeah, we, we, um, we'll, it's been great having you on. Uh, thank you very much to you and your son. And, uh, and I hope and I'm sure his gameplay will kind of continue to grow into the future. Well, thanks for having us. And um, <clears throat> I hope it encourages other uh, kids to get interested in it because um, I do think it's a great game and, the online aspect is really good for freeing up the rest of the family to not have to also <laughs> love it as much as he does. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. And we're back. Cheers. Well, Osbert definitely struck me as being very articulate, young man. Indeed. I would, um, if I was his you know, humanities teacher, English, history, whatever like that, I'd be having high hopes for this, this kid into the future. Yes. Could go far. Yes. And not just in, you know, the diplomacy world. Oh, yeah, no, the, the whole, you know, you can see him on a, on a, in a debate team. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, exactly, you know, exactly. The ability yeah. to articulate and um, just sort of describe his perspective at his age is, is, is quite... Well, I, I got a lot from the interview from the point of view that, you know, I don't really have contact with that cohort um, in general, so mm -hmm. it's, it's good to hear. It's good to hear young people coming along and, you know, learning learning the game and, you know, getting eager into it and, you know, it's really cool to hear these fascinated around the, um, you know, the whole dynamic of the, the alliance and getting committed and getting, you know, involved in it's just working with people yep yep yeah no i think it's um it's a great thing to as i said before to kind of get new people into the game young people as well i think is a, is a great perspective um but it's also just around i don't know it, it's it's as, as we as we tend to find you know the game is fun and you can see you can kind of see the way he kind of talks about it he's he's still getting that fun and that passion which sometimes gets beaten out of players after a while but it really does also I think sharpen the way that he analyzes and approaches problems which you can kind of see that's that's applicable not just to when you're playing a game of diplomacy it's how you then apply those skills and techniques to real world environments so absolutely. yeah absolutely um, 
And a shout out to DBN and Legendary Tactics and Brother Board from Osbert. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, listening to it, those two quirky Aussies, hardly got a mention, but well, it's all right. Oh, well, such as it is. That's quite all right. <laughs> um, and, and the other thing I think that was really, really good from my point of view, because I was, I was quite conscious of the fact that Osbert is, you know, clearly a minor, um, is getting you know, his parents' perspective on this and how they view the game yep. and how they particularly look at creating a, um, you know, a safe place and a, a right type of environment when it comes to bringing him up to be conscious of some of the challenges that... The virtual environment can present. Yeah, that's yep. right. Yeah, which is, um, you know, not, not, not great things sometimes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, thank you very much to Osbert's mum. Yeah, for also you. participating. Thank you. Um, I I found it like I found it interesting um, that the school that he goes to obviously is um, well, the previous school was it? She said um, was it's more was a uh, like a chess oh, type yeah. school. Yep. Um, and she was really happy to see him engage with sort of strategy um, in a different kind of way at at um, at school. So yes, obviously it's. Um, yeah, maybe there's diplomacy clubs popping up in high schools around the place we just don't know. Be good. Yep. Excellent. So thanks, Osbert. Thanks, Osbert's mum. And um, yeah, again, it's I think it's just it's just great to have a different perspective on the game. So. Yes. So um, let us know, guys, what you think. Yeah. Drop a message in the comments or email us, or you know, you've got our you know, like you can contact us in the usual channels. Yeah, there's 50 million ways to work it out. Yep. And do it. Cool. Does that end the PG bit? I there? think that ends the PG bit. So now, oh, any list, any listeners uh, <laughs> under the age of eighteen, you have to turn off now, because we will be going back to regular programming, which unfortunately may involve a little bit of swearing. Well, Andy's kind of known for it, guys, isn't he? I yeah okay yeah probably. <laughs> I, know, I know all the people in my team know know it as well at work. So. <laughs> I, I wonder if we do an analysis. You know, if we go back over all the podcasts, like how often. You drop a swear word versus how much I drop a swear word. Yes, actually, that's a great game. Maybe you can have like a diplomacy games drinking game where <laughs> listeners can time. listeners can kind of listen along, and whenever you know I swear because it's going to be a lot less, it's a sip. Mm-hmm. But when you do, it's like a full it's shot. A shot. <laughs> <laughs> So there we are, there we are. This is a game you can play at home. Uh, and that way, by the end of the podcast, you're probably in the same state of, as we are. <laughs> of alcoholic consumption that we are by that same point of time. That's a great idea. We should do that. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Fuck that. Take a sip. Well, this is a Diplomacy Games podcast. Um, actually, something we were talking about just briefly before we started uh, recording mm-hmm. um, was who actually owns the rights to Diplomacy. Yes. It used to be Avalon Hill, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't it something Games first? Whatever oh. um, Calhammer sold it to. Was it Strategy Games or something Games? Oh, what? yes, yes going right back to the actual history of it. Um, and I'm fairly certain that Avalon Hill, which is the version I was introduced to 
of the game um, was bought out by uh, Wizards of the Coast. And I'm just, we were just sort of having that discussion. Um, I think we even touched on it in a previous episode at some point, but was it Hasbro's bought out? Right, so according to Wikipedia, which of course is all things definitive in the world, so it was actually Games Research were the original publishers, Uh, then got bought out by Avalon Hill, Right. and now it's Hasbro, Hasbro's Avalon, Avalon Hill division. So whether... That whole section is like well, I think Wizards of the Coast must be like a subset of Hasbro now. They must have the big fish ate a big got ate a little fish. You know all that stuff. How yeah, that yeah, works. Yeah, yeah. Acquisitions. Yeah, yeah. Um, does it does it show what what the original um, what the original board looked like? No, they don't have a picture of that. I don't think we take history. Nope. Basic setting and overview. There's like in the basic setting and overview, it's kind of got like a normal standard. Um, uh, that looks like a backstabber type of map or whatever like that. And then it's got one of the 1976 maps. Yeah, see, that's the version I learnt on. Yeah, I've got one of those. the game on. It's essentially it's when the board came in three separate sections and you had Is to it? segment it together. And there's really? plastic clips that joins really? the three bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Are that's sure? one bit, two bit, and that clips. That's a clip Oh, it does there. look a little bit like that. There's another clip. You're right. But yeah. I've got one that doesn't have clips but looks the same. So it's a slightly newer version than that version. Maybe. Oh, yeah, you're right, because mine was like... Because I got that one from... Shit. Take a sip. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um... While you're thinking of that, this so this, it was this it was a it was a okay it was a guy who came 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 along to our face to face games who then went off to New Zealand just at the start of COVID to look after his mum his elderly mum. Oh. Um. Oh. Uh, anyway, he he kind of was getting rid of stuff and he kind of contacted me and said, "Do you want a free free game?" And I went, "Yeah, sure." And it's like I think it's the 1981 edition or whatever. We've talked about it. In an episode ages and ages and ages ago, where we had at the beginning of the pandemic, we had like a never bought about boards episode, and we talked about all the different boards that we owned or, or yes. knew about. Yes. Anyway, so the nineteen seven that that that, oh, that, yeah, board, that particular version um, is probably the earliest version I've seen, and then it's got the it's kind of like a semi-topographical map of um, Europe. So it's oh, what do you sort of call it? Topographical, ecological map. Um, geographical, I would think. Geographical. Well, it's so, all geographical. Well, or maybe, what's uh, maybe top, top topographic? Topographical topograph- is like is yeah, that has so, the mountains and, and yeah. Shit. So the mountain ranges are sort of in the in the brown, um, and then the medium height regions of Europe are in the light green, and then the low lying regions of Europe are in the dark green. You know what this is? What? This is a ready set go version of that flooded map. With global warming, bang! Automatically, you change your all the dark green areas have just become water. It probably doesn't actually change change the boundaries. Oh, you're much. right. But what what areas? Would it means you actually, it automatically what regions would you lose? I mean, Denmark lose would no longer exist. Denmark, Kiel would no longer exist. So would Berlin. No other would Holland or Belgium. And then you got this region actually, area. St. Petersburg and This is terrible. You lose so many supply centers automatically. <laughs> Everything gets lost. <laughs> but actually, it's really funny that we're talking about this because 
coming into work today, I was on the bus and going, okay, so I've got to catch up with Kana, you know. I'm sure he's going to force me to have a drink or two. Push your rubber arm. Talk about diplomacy. Oh, my goodness. What are we going to talk about? And I don't know why, but I automatically thought about, because at the moment there's not many people in town because we just had another lockdown a few weeks ago and we've got some restrictions in place and not many people going into work because they don't wear a face mask. Um when they can work from home. Anyway, yeah. so I was on the bus and I just thought about it and thought, remember the days when we didn't have that? And I thought back to when we were at the um, Breakfast Creek Hotel. We had like, it was like a, it was like a, it was a lunch session we had. We went for right. about yep. three and a half hours. Yep. Beautiful big steak. Yep. But we were talking about the Calhammer Estate auctions. Oh, And yes. remember they were like the original boards and the original drawings of the game? That's right. Yes. I thought, was thinking at the time, you know what would be good? I, I know who it, someone bought a shitload of stuff, drank. Cause it, yeah. Because it went, it went for a lot. It went for yeah. a lot. Yeah. But it was all very secret, secret who got it. And what I'd like to put out there is, look, we're, we're obviously one of the you know, handful of diplomacy media providers. Um, I think we've shown in the past that we've been able to respect people's identity and not let on who they are. Um, I think back to maybe like we had an interview with Care Bear where we digitally enhanced his voice so that no one could kind of work out who he was. Um, well, just the fact that we're able to keep our identities secret. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Nobody could ever possibly work out our identities at all. <laughs> so like a big inverted... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, the point is... If anyone is out there listening who knows somebody who bought some swag in the Calhammer Estate auctions, yes, and has a good amount of swag, we'd love to talk to you about it. Yep. Let's go back to all that stuff and find out just a little bit around, you know, well, what did you get and what was it like and all that type of stuff. And, you know, if, if they want to be anonymous, we'll keep their identity anonymous. We'll do something. Modulate that, your we'll voice. Modulate your voice. Like. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, we'll do some stuff, and um, yeah. that could be an interesting bit of fun. Definitely interested in having that interview yeah. and talking to whoever that person is. Yeah. Actually, yeah. We've, we've got that would be a great interview. We've got just for, for listeners' sake, we're not, we're not going to go into a lot of detail now, but we do have uh, a couple of other interviews lined up. So we've got always lots of content, always lots of stuff coming out from us. Did you want to touch on who we're going to be talking to next? Oh, I don't know, we can. Do you want to? Yeah, just. Briefly, and then I'll go get another beer and drink. Okay, okay. So, um, not necessarily sure which order it'll be released in, but uh, we've got a, a bit of a, a conversation with uh, Brian Pravel and Zach Moore from DVN, getting a bit of more of an understanding there around the uh, upcoming 2032 Olympics, which obviously, as we know, is going to become a the first Olympics that diplomacy is going to be played at. Well, absolutely, bid there, outbid netball and cricket. Oh, stop them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, from that point of view, I think what's also worth pointing out, and I, I won't go into the details now, I'll keep it for, I'll keep it for the interview, but uh, Ed Sullivan also reached out about that concept and he had some great ideas, which we'll talk about in that upcoming interview with uh, Zach and Brian. But yeah, we're talking to them around, you know, how the DBN can possibly fit into that. Um, and of course, the other thing that we're, and surprisingly, not surprisingly, soon we're talking DBN, anyone who's recently listened to or watched the most recent um, Deadline News uh, would also be familiar with uh, R. Jamie Langer's, or Langer, I can't remember how to pronounce it correctly, 
um, book, a novel. Yes, the first, it's, it's the only novel I'm aware of that's actually set in the Diplomacy universe. That's right, so The Art of the Stab. So uh, we will be providing uh, Kana and Ambie's book report, I suppose, well, as part of that. We're, yeah, we're very graciously um, gifted a copy yep. of the book, uh, so we need time to read it. Yeah, you, so, you can just buy it off Amazon for five bucks. It's, it's not that expensive. Absolutely, if you want to read off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. I think I kind of gave Kana the PDF and said, "There you go. Here's a bit of pre- here's a bit of light reading." You went, "I'm not going to read that. I'm just going <laughs> to buy it on on put on my Kindle." That's right. Yes. So um, well done to you, Kana. But yes, that's that's another one coming up. And um, yeah, I, this really touches on the fact that we we haven't said for a while yet. Kana's going, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> Drink. <laughs> um, shit, I'm out. <laughs> drink. <laughs> There's nothing left to drink. We'll finish off, we'll get another one. <laughs> anyway, um, we did talk about this in our most recent Patreon episode. We've stopped really talking about what episode number we're up to every single time. Oh shit, what episode are we up to? Drink, go skull. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so today is episode ninety-five. Ninety-five. That's Ooh, right. We're gonna do something special for the hundred. That's right. That's what we've got to get at. So it's okay. We we know the schedule. You know, we're meant to be every couple of weeks, and sometimes it becomes every three weeks, and sometimes every four weeks. But um, it won't be too long, figuratively speaking, until we've hit, hit our hundredth episode. So, um, listeners. So this is ninety five. This is ninety five right now. Yes, yeah, so we've got five more to go. No, four uh, more to go. Ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah, five more after this will be the hundredth. What? <laughs> you can't one of your fingers. What's wrong with that? It's only five numbers. I didn't. I could do. I did it on one hand. Shit. Asshole. Anyway, um, so what are your thoughts, dear listeners, around the hundredth episode? You know, let us know who you'd like to have on the show. Some concepts. We'll probably toss around a few ideas in the upcoming Patreon episode, um, but give us your thoughts, give us your ideas. So again, diplomacygames.com um, there's like a contact thing there. you want a photo of there. us standing there in a giant diplomacy map drawn on a basketball court? I don't know. What's your ideas? Yeah, preferably not that one. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're doing the drawing. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so uh, let us know through the website. I we saw your drawing in the sand on the, on the Twitter. What's wrong with that? It's good. Anyway. <laughs> I'm going to get um, another drink. Just sworn yeah, to so sisters, sisters Run? Sisters Run. Okay, well, yeah, pause right. for a sec, listen. <laughs> and we're back. Cheers. Cheers. We're, I've um, replenished the drinks because at the moment, Ambie's on a 10 to 1 ratio. Yes, but as we said at the start, if I and it's not just me, this is for the listener as well, Kana. It doesn't matter who swears; they still have to drink. Oh well, true. Yeah. Um, should I should I swear more? Actually, the other thing to think about this is either a, well, but you're not. That's not your mo. You know what I mean? You don't you don't roll like that. I try not to. No, that's right. Yeah. But maybe what we need instead here's an idea for the listeners. What? I don't know how we're going to organise this. Whether it would be like, uh, you know, tell us in Twitter or something, I don't know. But maybe there's certain words or phrases or things that we do all the time that we're not really conscious of. <laughs> we don't know we do. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, much the same way as this, the swearing for me, probably less so for you, is there something else that happens that we say 
that should be a cue for someone. If, if, if we say that during any episode, the listeners have to take a drink. Yep. I like the idea. Or, oh, here's another one. If they have a word which is diplomacy related but in a really weird and strange way and you want us to drop that into the conversation somehow. Yes. But then we have to consciously no, think about it. Yeah. So what you it's want, what you want is for the listeners, for, for us as the... <laughs> okay, everybody knows what the rules are. Yep. Everybody knows that if you say this or I say that, it's time to have a drink. Yep. But it's just second nature for us. So we're not even conscious that we're playing the game from a, you know, a, a GM perspective. You know what I mean? Yep. We've set up the board, but we've forgotten where we've put all the pieces. Yeah. But everyone else knows where the pieces are. Yeah. And then when something happens with those pieces, time to drink. Yeah. So. So, maybe listeners just need to let us know. Is there something that we do unconsciously? Yeah, yeah. Is it... um, Talking about something stupid in Australia. Talking about, you know... I don't know. Because every time Kane goes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, nah. I don't know. <laughs> it could be anything. Um, Let's move on. A couple of episodes ago, I signed up for a game on Primacy. Oh, yeah? How's that going for you? Well, it cancelled because there wasn't enough players. During, oh! You know, it was a 35-player one, so... It, that, was, that was the one we were talking about when we were at the last pub. And I said at the time, oh, there was that World War... Was it a World War game? World War Four. Four. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, I should join that. And then I forgot. And you didn't. And, and as a result, I got cancelled. Got cancelled. Anyway, but you're in a you're in a primacy game. Yes, I'm still in the same primacy game, which is just a normal, normal standard classic map. Um, this has been this has been an interesting game. So um, I can't remember. Do people know who they are? I think it's all anonymous. Is it anonymous? I think it is. Oh. I don't know how it works. Do you see the other players' names? No. They just come up as, like, you know... Oh, countries. Countries, France, Italy, you know. Well, I guess... Well, that's a good question. Is is it been set up as an anonymous or a non-anonymous? Well, I don't know who the players are. Yeah, probably not. So, okay, so who are you playing? You're playing England. Oh, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to say, have a drink. Um, Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) So I'm playing as England. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a game where very, very quickly, I think Italy pretty much collapsed because it didn't turn up to the game at the start. Um, Austria was a little bit late to the start. You might remember Austria at one point in time was uh, in Warsaw, Tunis, and Venice, and had no none of his home supply centres. How was Austria in Tunis? Well, they got the fleet from Trieste out to Tunis. Down there somehow. Yeah. Well, that's weird, though. That's because this this really, really intense jug started from the beginning. Right. And just went smash into Austria, because as I said, Austria missed the first turn. Mm. So automatically he's behind the eight ball yep. around the opening position in the Balkans. No chance of an ally in Italy, because that's not turned up. No, that's right, yeah. So, yeah, oh, poor bugger. And Italy just kind of went, you know, radio silence. I don't know what happened to him. Mm-hmm. But anyway, 
So Austria is now down to just, I think, one supply centre. He's now in Spain. Um, <laughs> South coast of Spain. Okay. So basically, Italy's dead. Austria's just got one fleet now in Spain. Um, Austria and France were working together as a bit of a team against Turkey. Okay. Then, for various reasons, there was some conversation around the board. Maybe we just draw the game. You know, a draw between uh, the, the RT and the EF. Okay. Which yes. meant killing off Austria. Okay. So, understandably, so, he's not too happy about that. So, Can I zoom out? Uh, fuck, what'd you do, Kano? Oh, the fucking magnifying glass button. Well, you know. Obviously, I shouldn't touch shit I don't know about. No, this is this is a, this is high-end technology. This is called an iPhone. What's that How piece of shit over there? Buttons? <laughs> How's it work without buttons? Easily. Oh, so, what you want to do? You just want to zoom out, yeah? That's what you've been wanting just to do. Go out. Been, there, you go. Like, there you go. There you go. There you go. Okay, don't pretend you were doing that to start off with. So, asshole. <laughs> 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 Germany. What's happened to Germany? Swallowed oh, Germany! Germany got killed off very quickly by so between um, you and Russia. Everybody, <laughs> everyone again. Okay. So um, how, how far west is Russia? Is that that's uh, Paris. Paris. Oh. So actually, France isn't in such a great position. No, no, no. So, in other so, words, basically, as I was saying before, you show me the south half of the board, and I thought, oh, France must be good because he's got all of Italy. Yep. He's got you know, there's Marseille, there's Portugal. Okay, Austria's in Spain. He's got. Tunis, and so, then I scrolled up. Well, but let's just finish the south first, okay? So what happened, okay? Okay. So there was conversation amongst the four big players on the board: mm-hmm. England, me, France, Russia, and Turkey to draw the game at four and eliminate Austria. So I spoke to France. I said, France wants to speak to Turkey. I spoke to Turkey. Turkey wants to talk to France. I don't want to speak ill of any players but I think one player didn't think through the repercussions of dislodging Austria out of Tunis in spring oh. forcing a retreat to Western Med yeah. and okay. then just waltzing into Spain in fall. Didn't think about retreats So now no. basically it's like three against two um, and at the same time Russia punched through Munich into Burgundy and then into Paris. Um, both Turkey and Russia have been talking to me about killing France, and I was seriously thinking about that. Very seriously thinking about that. Okay. And um, go for three ways. Well, that's what they were saying. Problem Is that feasible was, at this stage. So you talked about the North. So I've got a commanding position in the North. So you hold St. Petersburg. Yeah, I hold St. Pete. Yep. And there's no way he can break that because no. you have a fleet, fleet in Barrens. Yep. Yep. With an army in St. Pete. Yeah, okay. Which frees you up to do whatever you want with the other units. It's like, it's like my, as I said before, it's like my midi Mediterranean in the north. But Russia still has a fleet in Livonia. Yes, he does. So I did actually talk to Russia and I said, look, you know what would be great? This is, this is the plan. This would be really, really good for everybody except France. If you want me... Exactly! You know, how about this? 
I will disband a pop Lavania. It's no supply center. You can then rebuild and use that against France if that's what we're going to do. And he of course, and he went, no, nah, don't want to do that. Why not? Well, exactly. You know, the only reason I mean, that you could pop would... Livonia with your fleet. That's right. Exactly. And it doesn't threaten anyone. <laughs> it gives him a Kana, bill. I know. <laughs> this is what I was fucking telling him, and he wouldn't fucking listen. Wouldn't go for it. No. So why? Is the question why why didn't he? I don't know. So as a result of that, I thought, look, I seriously, seriously considered the proposition. You know what I mean of having peace and attacking France. Right. But if you can't just kind of give me that small amount of security, then I said to him, look, I'll pop Livonia with a fleet, and then I'll ship all my fleets out because then you can't build any fleets here. I can hold Saint Peter. The cows come home. Yep. And then I can move them all around here. Happy days. What? You could even offer him, you could move your fleet that you've popped. So so you pop Livonia with your fleet in Bothnia. Yeah. Then you could order Bothnia into St. Petersburg, South Coast, or St. Petersburg out to Norway, and, you know, just have a fleet sitting in St. Petersburg, South Coast, supported by Barents, and, you know, there's no threat to anyone full stop. Yeah. You know, exactly. Not even got an army there. Exactly. It's... it's like peace and love, rainbows and unicorns. Apparently, that's still what it was. salty about you having St. Petersburg. I, th- I actually honestly think that's it. That's it. Um, he does say that. Look, you know, I haven't followed through on anything, and that's because he didn't follow through on his stuff. You know, it works both ways. Finger pointing going on here. Well, it is a bit of finger pointing. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. So anyway, as a result of that, I thought, look, you're not being legit about the whole France thing. So, fuck you. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so now I'm kind of, you know, doing what I can to support France. The problem is you don't really have much of an army, do you? You've got two army units. No, I've only got two army units, that's right, yeah. I, I threw um, Holland to France because... Uh... Oh, yeah, because... Oh, no, you've got an army in Denmark as well, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's only two. Denmark and St. Pete. So and kill. Oh, yeah, and kill. Okay, yeah, you're right. So I can't do fuck all, really. Well, not necessarily. Look. Yeah. <laughs> How comfortable with you are you with me giving you a strategic idea over there? I think seeing we're entering spring, yep. and by the time this comes out, which is probably the weekend, it may give away certain tactical advantages. If you give me this advice now, and I act on it, and say hypothetically some players hear it, they'll hear it before fall. Ah, so I'll so I think shut up maybe, yeah. maybe not. All yeah. I'm going to say right now is I can kind of keep everything locked up in the north. I can pretty much lock things up elsewhere, and then I'm swinging fleets as you can see. I've got a fleet in English Channel, fleet in North Atlantic, so I can easily take MAO because there's only one fleet down here from Austria. Oh fuck! So we'll see how things go. Hmm. Interesting. And what are the chances that things fall apart between Turkey and Russia? I don't think so. They have been solid from spring 1901. God, but I tell you what, if if Turkey was to turn on Russia in autumn, that's an easy two builds straight up. It'll put him into a horribly overextended position, especially with you poised in that area. Well, I said, to, I said to I said to Turkey, 
looking at the way Russia's playing, Russia is pos- not going for the solo. Not going for the solo yet. I'm not saying that. No, he's, he's but he's positioning well himself nicely at a later date. Yeah. And once he starts getting another couple of supply centers, it won't be long until, as you point out, some things like Budapest and Vienna will be filled. There won't be that ability to back, you know, backstab. Yeah, look, I mean, if, if I were playing Turkey at this stage... And Turkey can't grow because Turkey France can't, is yeah, can't grow against, spying him. Can't grow through Italy because France is that pretty much locked down. He might try to slip through to Tyrrhenian Sea, but that's it's a long way to get one year, one supply centre, you know. I would be seriously thinking about Trieste to Vienna. Uh, no, Tyrolia to Vienna, Vienna. Trieste, Trieste to Budapest. Budapest. Yep. Grab that. They're open. They're free. That's two builds at Russia's expense. Yep. Right. So Russia has to just meanwhile two units. move Aegean up into Con, maybe, and then slip into Black Sea. Bingo. Yeah. Build an army in Smyrna. Straight into Armenia. Yep. Fleet in Ankara. Forcibly take. I don't think Black he needs sea. a. I don't think he needs a fleet. In, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah two against Forcibly one. Forcibly take it. Right, and then you can. Oh, but what you can? Yeah, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Greece to Bulgaria, right, and that'll stop any sort of retaliation from Russia. No, 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 no. Out of position. Well, yeah, but I think actually maybe if you go in, in say, when you do the stab, obviously in fall. Well, not, I'm not obviously some. Um, Aegean to Con, and then maybe Con to, if you can get. Oh yeah, if you keep the one here in Greece, Con to Bulgaria north coast, supported by Greece. You build a fleet in Ankara, so Ankara can go to Black Sea. Oh, if Romania the goes Black there, sea bounces it. Yep, yep. Right, Smyrna to Armenia. Sevastopol's fallen in autumn the following year. Same with Romania the following year. There's nothing you can do about it. Particularly as there's there's an army in Budapest and there's no other yeah. armies sitting around there at all. That's the way to go. That's so there what you go. Doing. So I mean, you'd be looking at taking one, two, three, four supply centres in the space of two builds at build terms potentially more depending on where he falls and if he does that you know, if you do that that's two two units he has to destroy you've got a belligerent England to the north that would probably jump on you know something like that you know so Russia's gone out for the count leaves you in a really good position to mop up France Austria and then depending on you know you'd be hoping that England fucks up somehow have a drink on the yep <laughs> You know, on, 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 a bit slower to the, um, oh my god, this is a stab happening. Yep. Table. And you'd be able to mop up to 18 prior to the uh, to the others. That's that's what I'd be looking at. Is to yeah. 100%. So, um, hey, Turkey, if you're listening to this podcast, um, you know where to reach me. <laughs> and you know I'm good at my stabs. You, you saw that one in, um, what, at the last at the last tournament we were down in Melbourne. What, when he kept constantly misordered? No, the one where I took out Austria in... Almost one hit. Oh. Did you? I did. I was playing Italy. Ah. You love playing Italy, though. Not really. So, what do you reckon? Italy's re- one of those ones you really have to sharpen the knife for. When did you stab, though? Roughly when? Uh, Mid game? About early game. Oh, right. Really? Like, well, no, not early, early. Like, because. 902, 903? Early. 1902. Oh, okay. Yeah, one just, move destroyed. Just when you kind of think, okay, so if I'm Austria and I go, okay, so um, Italy's been good to me during whole of 901, I can clearly I can trust him, and then... <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's ways to do it. <laughs> yeah, there's ways to do it. Yeah. Um, nice, very nice. Hmm. Okay, all right. Well, 
That's what I'll be definitely sending messages to Turkey about that. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah, it's a good idea. I should be doing that. I should be doing that right after we finish up on the bus ride. On home. the bus ride home. <laughs> so um, that's one of my games. But look, you're in a few. You're actually in a couple of games at the moment. I am. I'm in two Europa Renovatio gumbo games, and I'm in one Colonial 1848. Yeah. Sorry, you're in three games. Yeah, I'm about okay. to be removed from the. I'm, I'm dead in that. Dead in the water. In the colonial one. Yes. Which one's that? Colonial what? 18. 1848. It's a world map. Um, Which one's that one? Bring it up. Oh, bring it up. You've played it before. Yeah, You've this is not ringing Austria. any. Um, 1880. 1885. Okay. 1848. Um, yeah, 1885. It's oh, a world map. yeah, I know that map. Now. I thought Ambi had a good a bit of fun playing this map. I remember him playing this map. I'll jump in and have a go. And I pulled turkey, yep. and I just got squashed. Oh, Turkey's a what? shit, shit, shit country on this map. Shit, sorry. Quite literally, everyone turned against me straight away. Yep. Even countries where I would have thought there was an alignment, you know, like maybe Austria against Italy. Nah, wasn't having it, attacked me. So, so for listeners... Um, Anyway, this is like a um, stuff from the start. Eastern Hemisphere map, so pretty much from Europe, Africa, and Asia all the way, and and the the, um, Australasia Australasia type of stuff. Um, And playing Turkey, you've obviously got the old Ottoman Empire in 1885, but um, on this map at the moment. Not good. Um, you know, your, your home supply centres, uh, Angora, which is kind of like Ankara, I suppose, closest to that, um, owned by the Russians. Constantinople, owned by the Austrians. And now Smyrna, owned by the Italians. Yeah. So and you also um, start off, like, Turkey starts off with Baghdad and yeah, yeah, yeah. Cairo and a couple other ones, and, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're all gone. Well gone. Anyway. I'm just tapping Baghdad because of the hell of it. I mean, there's nowhere else I can move. Well, you can move into Aden or Oman, pick a fight with someone yeah, else. But out of the out of the least, <laughs> these two didn't attack me. They didn't help me, but they didn't attack me. You know, so that's because they're waiting for this war to be finished so they can create their own. Um, what's it called? Yeah. Proxy war. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so yeah, goodbye to that. Varian. Goodbye to that. We're going to play that bloody Varian again. Oh, no, I'm don't knock it. Pull, don't uh... knock it. Well, yeah, I suppose. Uh, that's the other one. Okay, so. Oh, hey, no, no, no. I want to talk. I want to talk. I want to talk briefly about. And I spoke about this one a couple of um, episodes ago. Right. Episode, two episodes ago. The episode, episode before. Yeah, that'd be two episodes ago. Do, do you want some of my fingers to add that on? <laughs> <That's it, yeah. laughs> but this one's the, 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 the classic chaos game that I've been spectating. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And I totally forgot to give an update to our listeners as to last which countries were still alive. Be my guest. So, um, the classic chaos is. So, everyone knows the classic chaos, hopefully. It's essentially every supply center is a country. Is, is a, a country of its own right. Yep. So, you start with one supply center and that's it. Yep. And this one kind of really surprised me because I didn't see it Ooh. happening. Um, with 
St. Petersburg um, sort of growing at, at, at a rate where he's, he's sort of preeminent alongside Spain. Um, I saw Spain growing at, yeah. a, at a reasonable clip, and I saw Smyrna. But, <laughs> this is really wacky, um, this map, with yeah. where some of the players are. Uh, St. Petersburg sort of, sort of jumped out. So um, there's still a, quite a long list of players who are still alive. Um, this player here got shafted. Yeah, Paul, this, this season just gone. And Sweden's this is, got a um, uh, This is autumn 1908, so this has been going for seven um, years. Um, yeah, unfortunately Sweden's dropped from three supply centres to one supply centre, so we've been stabbed by... I can't tell you. Uh, well, St. Peter's... Well, I can't Let's see. Go back one. Um... Load, please. Yeah, it's a bit slow. I don't know why. Maybe because yeah, you're using my internet. Yeah, anyway, so what I wanted to do is just give a rundown of countries who are no longer Who alive, are deceased. Who are deceased. Uh, so Budapest has uh, got zero supply centres. Ankara, Belgium, Brest, Bulgaria, Denmark, Edinburgh, Greece, all out. London, Munich, Naples, Norway, Rome, Romania, all out. Serbia, Sevastopol, Trieste, Tunis, Vienna, and Warsaw, all out. Um, doesn't leave too many left. It doesn't leave too many left now. So Spain and St. Petersburg are equal five supply centres. Yep. Smyrna is on four. Liverpool on three. Moscow on three. Berlin's on... So the next five are on uh, two supply centres Berlin Constantinople which surprised me I was expecting Constantinople to be eliminated by this stage um, Marseille and Portugal oh and, and Venice, and, Venice yep. and the remainers who are still just on one supply centre Holland Kiel Paris and Sweden wow so what's weird here is um, like Moscow is like, it doesn't have any of its normal traditional holdings. The most the closest you get to it be like Warsaw. It's got Warsaw, Vienna, and Trieste. St. P is in Sweden, St. Petersburg, Moscow, Budapest, and Serbia. Actually, what would probably help is if we pull up the history, the map history. Oh, Where are we? maps. Maps. History. Better give up on my slow internet. Yep. So, um, okay. So that's one you're actually not in, but you've been watching. I've been watching, yeah. Okay. And um, the most recent one that I've joined is uh, Europa Renovatio. This is a 34 player game. 35? Ah. 34? 36? I don't know. 34. So, this is your new game? It's my new game. Uh, it's early days yet. And I've pulled this country here in the uh, well, sort of northern regions. You'll be familiar with that country because I've pulled it several times already in this variant. This is your 
third time that you've pulled that country? Yeah, about that. Yeah. Which... You must be starting to get good at that now. Getting a bit frustrated with it, actually. It's... I mean, the first... The first two times I've played that country, you know, I've not done very well at it. I've tried different strategies. You did reasonably well once. You lasted quite a long while. I lasted. Exactly, so you need to go back and look at what went wrong. So long ago. Well, early days, I think you're doing pretty good. Uh, I picked a fight with two countries. That was a dumb thing to do. Did you do that deliberately? Not really. Well, yeah. Two. Which two? This one and that one? That one, yeah. Ah, yeah. But, but you've been good. Look, you've been kind but, of keeping the rest of your borders nice and tight. Yeah, I've been getting love from two of my other neighbours. Yeah, that's good. Um, although one of them's looking like he's not quite there yet. Yeah, he's just been a little bit. He's maybe as cautious more than anything. Uh, could, be he's could be a misorder. Could be misorder. Elsewhere. Um, yeah, it's probably misorder. Yeah, I or stuffed up maybe this just attack. Being cheeky. You know, I thought I was being cheeky. Yeah. So, why did... Oh, it's just, that's, that's just a humble bounce. You could have easily picked another supply centre. That one, this one, that one, that one. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm in a not a very good position, so I, I'm going to have to use these fleets to push through. Um, there's, there's no other way. That's why that builds there. Yeah, it's a good idea. But he didn't get any builds. No. But again, he's not really facing any conflict from anywhere else, so he can really pull his forces. Yeah, I yeah. think I picked the wrong target. That one's probably the wrong target, wrong time. Yeah. I find with these big, massive maps... But to be fair, that player went to civil disorder, and I thought, you fucking beauty... Drink. Drink. You beauty. And then someone picked up that country. Ah, anyway, so, and not, went, not so uh, you beauty anymore. I'll keep on pushing through with this, but yeah, it would have worked. You could have sent him way. love and said, Oh, hello, welcome, new government. Maybe not. Yeah, <laughs> well, you sent me love, but I didn't reciprocate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's so that, that was that you was remember. That. Before we started recording, I said, oh, yeah, yeah, but let's come back to that issue of when you keep getting the same country over and over and over again. Yes. Two nights ago, I woke up from a dream oh, yeah. where you had been banging on about getting the same country again. Oh, for real? <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's a bit of deja vu there. It was. That's when you started saying, went, oh, shit, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, well, it feels like deja some, vu with this some bloody country. ESP telepathy Special, things there. you know, future thinking. Um, yeah. What do you do? I mean, when I pull a country that I've played before too many times to be statistically... I, I get it. I mean, if you randomly assign these countries, yeah? And in any given random set, you're going to get three in a row regardless of the odds. Yep. at some point and it's just frustrating when you get that because you're expecting to play there's 35 bloody countries there I've only played about 5 of them you know oh well we just have to join another Renovatio game I'll actually but you know if I, get, if I pull that bloody country again without kind of going into a lot of details I've been um, watching a couple of other 
uh, Renovato Europa games that have been forming and um, thought, hmm, they could be interesting. So I'm currently spectating them, but more from the point of view of just, I don't want to kind of, com- I think I've said this before, I don't want to kind of commit unless I know that there's going to be the right number of players when I know I've got the time to play the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Yep. So, um, <laughs> can't blame me. You know, you don't want to kind of, you know, waste your time on, on stuff. I mean, because I may kind of join something now, forget about it. And it's like all of a sudden start. It's like, oh, shit, you know. And you want to join a game with a reasonable mix of players too because you're very particular about your rating. Oh. You know, easy come, easy goes. That's that's my philosophy. <laughs> that's changed. <laughs> the well, points come in. To that, the points that. go out. <laughs> Speaking of which, I think it's time for another drink. Oh, I do believe so. Now let's pause. And we're back. Cheers. Right. Cheers. My my glasses seem to be shrinking. And I think the amount of alcohol is shrinking too. Oh, I think you're just getting more pissed. You're just, yours is getting bigger and bigger. It's just hype. It's just hype. It's a point. Oh, it's a point. Well, you did find yourself there. Um, um, well, that's about it for uh, this particular section. We've got a little bit we're going to talk about in our podcast. Give me our Patreon podcast. Patreon section of the podcast, yes. Um, I hope you enjoyed today's um, broadcast, I guess. And Absolutely. You know, the interview with Ozbert and um, all the bits there. And definitely check it, definitely keep tuned for the next one for our um, interview with uh, DBN. Yep. And moving forward uh, with our um, mystery writer. Right. And don't forget, 100th episode's coming up. Get in your ideas. Drop us a line and let us know if there's anything that either of us do that you could turn into a drinking game. Absolutely. All right. I'm Kana. I'm Ambie. Cheers, guys. guys.